The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today's edition is with Eno Saris of The Athletic, formerly of Fangraphs. And he is a shining light, the beacon for us in the fantasy baseball industry who sets the golden standard that all of us hope to live by. Uh, I talked to him during PitchCon last week, and if you were able to attend that, uh, you got a chance to to enjoy this with video and live as it happened. But for those that weren't, enjoy the next hour. He is a fantastic human, has a wonderful story just about his his journey to being uh, the man that he is now. And I imagine you're going to enjoy this hour as much as I did. So give me a follow on Twitter at NickFriendsPod and enjoy happy hour with me and Eno Saris. Ah, it's so good to have you here, man. Ah, hey, Uh, cheers. I'm having a a heady topper right now (laughs) from Vermont. I, I was really tempted to go out and get beer, honestly, for this. I'm just doing water. I, I gotta, right, I gotta right. keep myself well, you, not having headache tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you two got more a long days day of this. <laughs> but yeah, happy hour with Anosaurus. I thought that was an appropriate title for this because that's. I mean, I'm gonna have a happy hour hanging with you right now. But uh, I'm just so happy that you're here, man. Obviously, if you guys don't know Eno, you know, I don't know what you're doing. The Rates and Barrels podcast that was just mentioned by Noah Therm. Congratulations uh, for the FSWA award. Thank you. Uh, that's very redundant, but uh, well deserved, of course. Uh, previous work at Fangraphs, now at The Athletic. And I just kind of want to take this hour just to get to know you a little bit more. Maybe talk Mm -hmm. about, um, obviously, some beer for a second. And then, of course, what is going to happen moving forward. But yeah, what is the prize that you're offering here at PitchCon, Eno? A curated box of beer. Um, It's actually... It's actually this this thing that I did uh, during lockdowns. Uh, I missed having beers with people. And mm-hmm. I've done a lot of trading where I, I trade a box of beer and I get a beer back. And uh, that actually lost a little bit of the appeal uh, over the lockdowns because I just wasn't sharing them with anyone, you know? Sure. And I remember looking down and being like, ah, God damn it, it's just a beer. Um, but uh, I did get some joy out of just sending boxes of beer to people that I cared about. So um, I, I sent a bunch of boxes of beer out, and it was just like, this is what I'm drinking right now. It wasn't um, like something I waited in line for. That's not something I was going to do during lockdown. So it was just 
you know, this is what I put together out here in California. You're somewhere else. We would have seen each other by now in Arizona or Florida or, you know, any of these places. And so uh, here's some beers on me. Um, And so that I'd like to bring that concept. So if somebody is interested, you know, like uh, I can send you a box of amazing California beer. So uh, it's funny you say it like that, because I think around this time last year, one of my favorite Eno moments happened, which was at uh, Pitcherless. Sorry, not Pitcherless. Oh, man. First pitch. Uh, anything with pitch is just obviously Pitcherless. No, first pitch, Florida. <laughs> uh, I remember it was, you know, one of the events at night, and I just wanted to get, like, a moment of fresh air. So I left the, the like, the atrium or the, the event room, and I was about to go down the stairs, and I looked down, and I saw you with literally, like, the Santa Claus of beer with a sack over your shoulder. <laughs> Uh, with beer and it was like the greatest thing i could run into uh, and i gave and I you a beer distinctly, you're like oh i've got beer you want a beer i was like of course i want a beer so like, oh what do you like i was like i like lagers and like amber ales and oktoberfest kind of things and you're like ooh, because <laughs> all you had was ipas of course and i was like ah, okay but no of course you had the perfect beer for me and it was fantastic and it just you know it made for a wonderful night. And like, yeah, that's that's very much of who you are. You just want to give good beer to people. And that's, that's I think, like the last time I saw you. So that, yeah, that was wonderful. I, I think about that often. You know, we uh, the, those are the last games I saw. You know, I, I've been to some games covering them since. But uh, those are the last normal games I saw. Last time I was like inside with a bunch of people uh, mm-hmm. doing that labor draft. Um, it was... Uh, Last time I was truly happy. <laughs> yeah, and you also got to witness me saying to Matthew Boyd that I call that I called myself a Boyd boy. <laughs> so that was uh, that was wonderful. That was a top five moment in, in the clubhouse. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I just couldn't resist, and I saw Fast's face and just go, "Oh my god, oh my lord!" But no, huge yeah, no, thank you. I mean, really, for that day, like you know, um, for those that don't know, like we. Uh, Fast and I got credentials to talk to Matthew Boyd. We were talking to you beforehand, and you're like, oh, yeah, let's go talk to Matthew Boyd. And you you took us under your wing. Uh, you kind of showed us the ropes of what it's like, like having credentials and going to the press box and how to, you know, how to approach them with the questions and stuff. And you gave us tips afterwards. It was, you know, it's incredible, and it's very much of what you do to this industry. So really, I would have thank to you say, so much for that. do not worry too much about that. Like, if you if you are, I know you're telling it, so you're probably not that worried about it, but... Uh, I wouldn't worry about it. There's something that's very nice about Matt Boyd. And oh, yeah. um, I had my own moment with him. I don't even know if I told you this, but I once hugged him. <laughs> I I don't know what I was thinking. I, you know, I've seen him. I've seen him at Driveline. I've uh, interacted with him for a long time. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're friends. And I was, it wasn't like a, like a, like a real big hug. It was like a kind of like a pound hug, mm-hmm. but, um, inappropriate, uh, inappropriate for a writer. And, and it wasn't even in the clubhouse. It was on the field. So what? <laughs> yeah. Um, as it was happening, I was like, what am I doing? So yeah. Oh, amazing. I mean, well, okay, I remember even like when we were talking to him, you're talking about how nice he was. Um, so we obviously like all these players are so used to hearing, you know, or uh, giving answers to journalists and reporters and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So they have like that tone and that feeling as they do it. Uh-huh. And so I think in the podcast, yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. And then after he said that, he goes, yeah, 
thank you guys. Yeah. Like it turned <laughs> off, you know, and he was just so happy again. It was, it was something yeah. else. Um, but I, before we go a, into all, I mean, there's a lot of other things I want to ask about that, but I, I do want to start at the beginning with you, um, because obviously we know where you are now and what you do, but well, you know how it is with all this stuff is that it doesn't just happen overnight. There's a lot of hard work that you put into this and a lot of uh, knowledge you learned over the years to be as amazing as you are at this now. Uh, and I wanted to just start there. So what, what was the very first article you wrote? Oh man. Hmm. You got this. I can tell you the very first article that uh, I wrote that got traction. Okay. And uh, it won an FSWA award for for, uh, best article of the year. And that sort of led to all the opportunities that I got after that. So uh, it was a piece about Kevin Moss and how, um, you know, Kevin Moss like how we should have seen Kevin Moss's decline coming. And it was okay. a piece about age at level. Um, and, uh, you know, now that seems like a pretty, you know, like, duh, you know, it's better to be younger at AA than to be 24. You know what I mean? Like the, right, it's right. something that's super ingrained. But at the time, it was probably like 2001, 2002. And so it was uh, kind of a newer uh, concept to some in the fantasy industry. And uh, I just had some fun with it because there were like uh, these ladies that took their tops off uh, every time Kevin Moss hit a homer. Um, so I like referenced them, and you know it was it was like I had I like I think I wrote an okay story that was like about how it's my birthday and how I usually you know give myself sleepers, but this time I'm gonna give myself a good talking to for you know thinking that Matt Laporta would be any good because obviously Matt Laporta is just like Kevin Moss tell the Kevin Moss story and then end as I do almost all of my fantasy pieces with a list of like three to five players that are relevant to the analysis that I did. So, you know, talked about agent level. And at the end I was like, Kevin, you know, Matt Laporta is not going to be any good. This guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be bad. I just remember Matt Laporta in particular being like the, he's the new Kevin Moss. He's not going to make it. Right. Um, uh, and where was, ended that? up being right. Hmm? Where was that article? Oh, that was at uh, the Fantasy Lounge. So, um, shout out to uh, Kevin and Randy and all the people that uh, were running uh, that that show. It was uh, poorly named. I mean, it sounded like a, a porn site. In fact, there was <laughs> there was a porn site called the Fantasy Lounge, and we were Fantasy Lounge Sports. Oh my so, god. I think there's some people who thought who got there just thinking that it was the sports section of their strip club. <laughs> That's un- like, it's a kind of a almost a compelling idea. Like maybe someone should try that. <laughs> wait, wait, like to me, the people making that up, it's like, oh, we would call it the fancy lounge, but ah, that's a porn site, so we can't do that. So we'll just name Let's it sports instead good, like, of just oh. naming it something else. It just yeah, well. Like hanging on it the coattails of a porn site. I don't. It was um. It was one of those uh, sites back in the day that had um. That was kind of like forums based. Mm, right. And then you you had your forums, and then you had the content on the front of the forums. Um. And I did basketball and baseball for them. And um. Yeah. Once that once that piece came out. Um. But mostly, uh. My my method was almost the same as is today, which is just try to stay up on the latest research. I'm not. Um, as a well-equipped uh, quant-wise as a lot of the guys, a lot of the people the, that are out there that are doing this. Um, mm-hmm. And so 
I try to read the best analysis that's out there. And uh, my, my general sort of fantasy article is still to this day, here's a piece of analysis. I'm going to try and explain it to you in layman's terms. Um, and then I'm going to give you some applied knowledge and, and try to finish with like, here are five sleepers based on this new research. Nice. Uh, you know, I just so, did that with seam shifted wake and uh, yeah. did that with spin mirroring. And like, that's generally um, what I what I still do to this day is just try to read a lot. Absolutely. And by the way, we have a, a panel on actually a presentation from Barn Smith of seam shifted wake tomorrow. So definitely, uh, I believe that's right. The start of the uh, the day. Definitely oh, oh so that. you could be wearing your seam shifted wake and bake shirt. You could. <laughs> you could do exactly that. Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, now, okay, I don't mean to date you or me here. Uh, Kevin Moss, the Klein. When was that article? <laughs> I think that was probably, uh, I started writing a lot um, in like 2002, 2003. Okay. And, and was that for uh, the Fantasy Lounge Sports or was it somewhere else I actually started writing? That was Fantasy Lounge Sports. And then... Okay. Uh, I think that, yeah, three, maybe four. And then I just know that the period between um, four and eight was uh, 2000, like so, somewhere there. And then like to like 2007, 2008, I was just, uh, I just took the laptop home and like uh, wrote next to my wife. I can't believe she let me do this. Uh, but we, she, we like maybe watch TV and I would just be writing. Um, and I took, uh, I took two hour uh, dumps at work where uh, I just printed out uh all of the chats on fangrass and bp and all the articles i wanted to read and had just like a ream of paper and just like went in and was like and my boss later was like when i told him i was leaving to do this he was like yeah i mean i saw the papers in the toilet like <laughs> <laughs> i knew what you were doing <laughs> so That's the amazing. reading was at work and then the at, at home uh did the writing and uh so that i wrote for fanball where i had a, a blog named uh, god bless buckner uh, mm -hmm. where I wrote about the Mets. And then I went from there to Amazing Avenue, uh, thanks to Eric Simon, um, wrote at Bloomberg Sports, um, and then um, tried to make the switch in around, uh, and then I started writing at Fangraphs. Um, so I guess I got the I got the time wrong. Uh, I, I wrote that article in like 2005. 2008, um, um, I started writing at Fangraphs. So nice. something that like that. Now, speaking of uh, your wife allowing you to do things, I remember distinctly you doing a chat while she was in labor, I believe, or like you're waiting for the baby. You're waiting there. You're like, all right, I guess I have like an hour or two. Let's just do a chat during it, which I was like, this man is amazing. Oh, like, <laughs> uh, you know, we knew it was going to be a C-section. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, oh, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, but right, so so along this path, um, and then of course at Fangraphs, you were the Rotographs manager, I believe. Then you gave the reins to Spore as you became a, a regular Fangraphs writer, and then from there to the Athletic, correct? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a little bit cloudy for me, but um, I think the big the big moment for me was in 2010 or nine or 10, like right at the, like, you know, you like jobs always sort of come up uh, sure. in our industry in that, like in the winter. Right. And so mm -hmm. in 2009 to 2010, I, I was, <laughs> I was making like uh, maybe like $300 a month. Oh, wow. Uh, writing. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> 
Sure. I'm gonna make the sure. switch. I mean, it was something like it was encouraging. Like, hey, this could obviously continue yeah, like, and grow from there. You know, I did have uh, some family help. Where like, we, it was like, if I didn't pay rent, you know, and I and and I stopped doing this other job, maybe I could kick it to five hundred and like be okay. So uh, I decided to make the the leap, um, even though it was all just sort of freelance here and there and piecemeal and all that stuff. Right. And um, and then I thought, okay, I really need some sort of bulk job. And one of the bulk jobs that's available to people, um, it, it, it's a decent job and they hire fairly frequently is, uh, what's called a MLB, uh, editorial producer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you work in what's called the bullpen, um, at MLB AM. And you don't, I don't think like you, maybe sometimes you have to be in New York, but I think I was going to do it, uh, in San Francisco and, um, Basically, you're an editor, but you also understand their CMS and you edit, but you also like attach a, a like a, a clip and you like link other pieces. And so it's like a little bit sort of multimedia editing. Right. Um, and so I, I, I trained for that and was going to take a job and that was going to be I was going to edit. I was going to write hmm. and that was going to be uh, my job. And I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, I edited three straight spring pieces about how Yasiel Puig wanted to go 50, 50. Yeah. yeah. Never three. believe it guys. Never believe three. the desires. We all want to go 50, 50. I want to go 50, 50. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I was just like, Oh God, I don't know if I can read another Yasiel Puig wants to go 50, 50 piece. Right. And right. As I was like sort of debating this, um, I got the phone call from David Appleman and be like, do you want to go full time at Fangrass? I'm like, yes. Oh, that's such a great phone call. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's problematic. It's actually problematic to me. Um, hmm. some of the way I came up because I came up being paid really poorly by sports blog nation. Sure. And I came up taking free gigs like the fancy lounge. I didn't get any paid. You know, I got part ownership, but I didn't get any paid any money. Um, and, um, I also at, Fa- at Fangrass, there would be like jobs, like, extra stuff to do beyond my writing mm-hmm. that may not have had a dollar sign attached to it right away. That was like, can you handle this or this or this? And I don't know. I don't want to tell people to do what I did because right. I just said, yes, right. right you know, right, I just right. said, yes, I can handle that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. And it worked, but it, it worked because I had a job that allowed me to take two hour poops Yep. It, it it worked because uh, at some point um, I managed to go you know without rent uh, without paying rent so like I I'd, I'd rather that people paid for internships and people paid you know well for for these jobs but the reality is that sometimes you have to just do as much as you can do yep and 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 the basically I would say is you have to say yes until you can afford to say no so. So when I read your uh, your biography, your autobiography in about, I'd say, mm, five, ten years, it's going to be called <laughs> Two Hour Poops by Enosaurus. Two Hour Poops. <laughs> sure. No, um, but, but, looking, but looking at that, I mean, you're, you're talking about 15 years in, in this business, and there are always milestones. There's always moments that really shift what you're doing and your excitement, and that's, you know, it's a product of the people that you're involved with. Uh, I wanted to, you know, just kind of ask, like, who were the main people that stick with you that, like, really pushed you in and pulled you in the right way, took you under their wing, and really helped you get where you are? Again, problematic. One of them was Jonah Carey. Yeah. Um, But uh, less problematic were Eric Simon at Sportsblog Nation, 
uh, took me, uh, you know, one of the things that was cool about, uh, Eric Simon giving me a chance at amazing Avenue was I'd been a fantasy guy and he just was like, you know, right about the Mets, you know, it's, it's not fantasy, but I think you can do it. Right. Um, and then Appleman giving me the reins of rotographs, um, you know, it may be hard to believe um, now because sports is doing such an excellent job. But at the time, Rotographs was not almost anything. It was just a mm-hmm. couple of pieces a, a week almost. And what I tried to do with it was um, just click a lot of the boxes that other people did. Like we didn't have rankings and like we didn't have a draft kit, you know? And yeah. I was like, you know, we should have these things. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, that was a that uh, uh, was a fun experience, and so yeah, Appleman uh, gets much much love from me. Aaron Gleeman gave me a shot at Roto World, hmm. um, and so I used to write saves and steals for them there for a long time. Uh, NBC um, Sports Edge, thank you. All right, <laughs> whatever it's called. Now. <laughs> uh, I guess we're all getting into betting. <laughs> but I, uh, I mean that that all sounds great, and you know. I kind of want to go into the other aspect that we hinted at before is that you've gotten these opportunities to really to talk to players over the years. Um, and I actually remember 2016 when I met you the first time, uh, you told a story about John Jaso, uh, Josh Jaso, I believe. John. Uh, I believe at a restaurant. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Um, John Jaso, uh, like, I think like sort of politically might be the closest player ever to me. <laughs> um i mean that dude uh was cool as hell i mean you saw the dreads and stuff he was really into music and sailing and like i mean he was different man he was Mm -hmm. different and he he also gave me one of my earliest scoops which was that um when he had a he had like a a concussion one point and he tried to play through it and um he begged out of a game one time because he didn't see the ball oh wow like he caught a ball and he never saw it Oh man. Uh, and he was like, dude, was that like a 98 mile an hour fastball? Yo, I need to get out of here. Um, and so that was one of my, my earlier, um, my earlier scoops, I guess. I don't have that many, but you know, uh, and so we met, um, you know, with, uh, David Lorla and, um, I believe Fernando Perez was there. Um, and not to out everybody that was at this thing, but we were just, you know, we were just having course, a couple of beers. Of course, Fernando Perez. He's like always involved in everything. I love that man <laughs> so much. And we were having uh, we were having uh, a dinner at um, uh, Twin Peaks, a fine establishment. Um, and what was funny was that um, I, all I remember about the the like what we were eating. I kept trying to ask <laughs> Jason all this stuff about like, do you ever talk shit on the people? Like I'm just getting into the clubhouse. I was like, do you ever talk shit on people at the plate? Like, do you ever do you ever say anything to try and get them off their game? He's like, no, man. Like, they might be my teammate next year, and like, you know, <laughs> like, that's a great point. And he was just like, no, we don't, we don't act like that on the field. Um, and instead, he was watching um, uh, Jordano Ventura, hmm. R.I.P. And he could not take his eyes off of Jordano Ventura. Just he kept saying, "Easy cheese, man. Easy cheese," and like at some points we just like stopped talking and just like watch your Donald Ventura throw 98 mile an hour fastballs. So right, right, right. That was much better than the food or the ambiance. I mean, I don't know if you know what a twin peaks is. It's like a low rent Hooters. 
Oh, I've I've never never heard of it. But Twin now Peaks, I understand completely it's why terrible. it's called Twin Peaks. It's so bad. So. so bad. Oh my god. But he was he was a star there. They all they all knew him. <laughs> yeah, well that's what you were telling me was that essentially all everyone could not stop paying attention for John Jaso. And uh and I remember I think you made a comment saying like you wish that, you know, they would treat you like that and then Oh, well, so like years later, I, I was doing, and I love doing these meetups. It's one of the things that's been so painful for me during uh, the lockdowns. Oh, yeah. It's just been, I love hanging out with people. And uh, I used to do these meetups for fan graphs. And um, I would like, uh, I would, uh, you know, be just be surrounded by people who ask me about fantasy, you know, for the most part. And I remember telling this story um, uh, with a couple more details. You know, let's do those offline. Uh, but, uh, I was telling this story and I was like, Oh God, I wish I got attention like this. Um, you know, I'll, I, I, I ended the story being like, I'll never get attention like that. Um, and there was like a silence and then somebody said, well, except from 35 year old white men asking about their fantasy baseball team. (laughs) It's very true. You know, it was so awkward because that described like everybody in the circle and they were about to ask me out there. And then somebody just swim moved right by the awkwardness. And it was like, so anyway, should I drop? (laughs) Oh my God. That's amazing. That's incredible. So, (laughs) so, so you, you've interacted with a lot of players now, right? And, what would you say is, I mean, I know you won't be able to pick just one, but what would you say is probably the best interview you've had uh, with another player? Maybe one that you didn't actually give like a hug to. <laughs> well, that's an easy answer. I mean, the first one that really got me uh, going as someone in the, uh, there's two that really sort of uh, set me going. One was uh, with R.A. Dickey on the sort of mechanics and uh, the, the reality of the knuckleball. Um, so I went and looked into like whether or not knuckleball pitchers are more homer prone um, and uh, talked to him about like ideal revolutions and spin r- spin rate before sure. we knew what that was um, and about the mechanics of it and how he was throwing the knuckleball 84, which is like the hardest anyone has ever thrown a knuckleball. He said something in an interview where he said, uh, just look me up on my fan graphs page. I called up PR and was like, hey. He's, I work for Fangraphs. He said Fangraphs. Is that good enough? Like, can I can I get like a credential? Right. And they were like, Yeah, I guess so. They must have <laughs> asked. They must have asked RA, and he said, Sure. So I got in the car and drove down to LA, and uh, and interviewed him. Uh, d- I drove down just for the interview, you know, and like oh, wow. s- crashed on a couch. And uh, uh, that was one of my first uh, in the clubhouse interviews. And because of that, when like I got into the BBWA, people were like. Yeah, I remember him. He like was in the clubhouse and he acted normally, and you know that that spoke well to my candidacy. So that was one right. thing. Um, the next one was like Dan Straley, um, grips that, that you know that became like a grips thing. I oh, talked I to him about his yeah. thirteen changeup grips that he yep. went through, and and actually it was really cool. Got uh, one of the videographers there to like take like high res video of him just cycling through all the grips. So there was like a video attached to it and. That's great. That was fun. But my favorite interview of all time yeah. uh, was for with Brandon Moss. And and uh, Adam Dunn is in the background, just backbiting, sniping, just being ridiculous, just saying just ridiculous crap the whole time. And and Brandon Moss is giving me the goods. Like he's talking seriously about 
like he's a fly ball hitter. Uh, he wants to hit fly balls because homers are good. Uh, but that leaves a, a hole at the top of the zone. Pitchers always attack him at the top of the zone. And he's trying to figure out how to lay off of those or to make enough contact to, to stop that hole that he's developed. And like all the stuff I could show with pitch effects, right? I could be like, right, look at this amazing. big blue hole right here. Yeah. He's right. <laughs> and then fantastic. like, look at his swing rates that are changing around that hole. And like, uh, so that part was really awesome where he like let me in on what uh, like people were thinking. And, uh, uh, and then um, <laughs> Adam Dunn is behind him just saying the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> so it was just so much fun. Like at some point I was talking to Moss about like, Oh, you used to be kind of a singles hitter. And, and then like, um, then you'd switch to power uh, in, in like, and then like, Ruben Amaro said you were no good in like a press conference. Did that bother you? He's like, of course that bothered me, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and then Adam Dunn in the background goes, who's Ruben Amaro? And, and Moss is like the friggin' GM. I mean, they're, they're cussing a lot more. Right. And, yeah, and, and the friggin' GM. And, and then Adam Dunn's like the GM doesn't matter. And Brandon Moss says, it does matter if you want to make the major leagues. <laughs> And then, and then later, like, uh, we're talking about like fly balls and like fly balls for homers. And then Adam Dunn goes, and then somebody said something about like, you know, Adam Dunn just peeks in. We're just talking about fly balls and homers. Adam Dunn goes, you know what I always say? Hit home runs and line drives will follow. <laughs> and he's just, he's just like backbiting and just saying all these things. It's just like the the audio for that is on Fangraph still. It's like Unreal. we posted the audio, and it's amazing because, um, like there's a straight interview that's happening between me and Brandon Moss, and then it's like it's like comedic relief that just keeps coming in. Just Adam Dunn, and then what was funny too is like the next day I had to go in. And I was really kind of nervous because Adam Dunn had cussed a lot. And he said some stuff that was really funny, and I wanted it in the interview. Right. And my editor at Fangraphs would be like, "You got to, you got to go check with Adam Dunn. That's okay." I was like, "Oh man, really?" And Carson was like, "Carson Sestuli was like, yeah, yeah. you got to go in." And so I, I like went in, and I was like, "Adam, um, I know you weren't really in the interview with me and Brandon yesterday, but..." Uh, could I use what you said? And he was like, I don't even know what I said, bro. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, well, I don't want to get in trouble. So I was like, dude, um, you said some stuff about Ruben tomorrow. And he's like, yo, man, I'm retiring. Burn this place down. You can put words in my mouth if you want. I was like, it. oh, so how do you feel about Billy Bean? <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, uh, but it was really funny because then there was also like um, there was like some back and forth like oh is Adam Dunn gonna retire and I was like yo that dude's gonna retire he is done <laughs> right right, right. Um, but that was definitely my most fun it just it, that's it, a straight interview with like the comedic relief that was amazing so you I mean okay so it was comedic relief but it was also pushback right I mean you've you've dealt with this a lot where you know um, I, I mean I remember there's a, of course a fantastic Justin Verlander story that you have but there's a mm-hmm. lot of pushback with. Uh, you know, you are the like the stats guy. You are the uh, the the new school, I guess. And there's a lot of the old school is just completely pushing that stuff away. And it can be really tough inside the clubhouse, you know, trying to navigate it and figuring out who's receptive to this or not. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I came pretty close to crying one time 
Uh, I'll be honest. Um, Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis were uh, lighting me up and uh, just saying really terrible things about me uh, during an interview with Billy Butler. I deserved it um, to some extent. Like I, I mixed up Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis because of Google image search. I will always hate you. Google image oh, search. Oh no. Oh my um, God. You know, they're friends. So they get tagged in each other's pictures and stuff. And like, I just, right, right. I did a Google image search for Eric Hosmer and a picture of Mike Moustakis popped up for some reason. Or I did no, I could do a Google search for Mike Moustakis and a picture of Eric Hosmer popped up. And so I said something to Eric Hosmer about being Greek and he was like, Yo, Mike. He was like, Yo, Frenchie. This idiot thought I was Moose. And then and, and it was terrible because he got the whole clubhouse involved. Where yeah. now Frenchie is laughing at me, like my Trevor is laughing at me, and these guys are laughing at me. And they're oh, what's he asking about? Rates? Oh, and what's funny. He, what's funny is that like you can't escape your demons, right? Sure. You just have to try and conquer them. So what's funny is I'm asking uh, um, I'm asking Billy Butler about his ground ball rate, and that mm-hmm. sets off Mike Moustakis and Eric Hosmer, and they're like, "Did he say rate? Did he say rate? What kind of questions are these?" And then they go, "Barrels, biatch, barrels. It's all about barrels." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god years this sounds later like my i've got a podcast hell. named There's... rates and barrels <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait are you serious that's where it comes from is this sort interview? of uh, sort of that's amazing oh no but seriously that that makes me so happy that you took this moment that is like oh know, it's like a nightmare and this it, it, it shouldn't have been and yeah you i take called, it and I you turn it into it. this award-winning podcast you gotta, you, I mean, you, so my first, I called Robert Sanchez, who was an editor and one of my editors at the time. And I told him what happened. He's like, you got to go back in there and you got to go swing your stuff around and you got to show them you don't care. And I was like, yo, that's exactly what I don't want to do. I do right. not want to go back in there. They all hate me. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, well, I need, uh, I need, um, what's his face? Uh, 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 Alex Gordon. Uh, to, to finish off this interview. So went back in. Alex Gordon is the nicest dude of all time. He mm-hmm. gives me exactly what I need where he talks about um, uh, he talks about when he came up. Do you remember Alex Gordon came up and he was supposed to hit a ton of homers and be a third baseman and right. he found out he's not going to be a third baseman and also that Kaufman, he was like, Kaufman kills fly balls. And so I decided I need to be more of a line drive hitter. And so I went back down to the minors and came back up with more of a doubles approach. Um, and that's what that was along with what I cobbled together from Billy Butler and what I got from Eric. I actually quoted Eric Osmer in the story the next day. Because it's all about barrels <laughs> or I, something like that? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think I did. I think I said something about it's all about barrels. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, I, and I got my story. I got my story. Um, and, uh, I've interviewed Hosmer since, and I've interviewed Mustaka since. I don't think they have any idea who I am. I don't, right. I don't really care. It, and one thing that like getting to that bottom, uh, did for me was like, okay, that was the bottom. Right. It was, it was pretty bad there for a second. There was a moment where Billy Butler goes, there's a pause. I had to listen to it again. There's a long pause and I'm transcribing it. There's a long pause. And then Billy Butler goes, are you all right? And it was uh, it was very useful. It was like a moment of like, oh, thank you, thank you. You're a human being. Thank you. Yeah. You know. Um, that, and they and me... Hosmer, I, I've gathered, was yeah. pretty uh, tough on Billy Butler. Nobody really liked Billy Butler. 
So oh, uh, I, I just feel like everyone else in that clubhouse sucked except Alex Gordon and Billy Butler is what I took away from that. Well, Billy Butler was kind of like a meddling uncle. Okay. Uh, and everyone was always like, you're no, like he would tell uh, Hosmer like what to do defending at first base. And Hosmer's like, you're the DH dude. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, and then okay. he, uh, Billy Butler also uh, ratted on. Um, oh, man. They got into a fight. They punched each other. Danny Valencia. Really? He he ratted on Danny Valencia to Danny Valencia's shoe company rep. A shoe company rep came in and Danny Valencia uh, and Billy Butler said, he doesn't wear your shoes uh, out on the field. He only wears them. <laughs> he he only that? keeps them in his locker. And Danny's like, why would, why would you tell him that? <laughs> so uh, I can't really speak. I can't okay. really speak that. Yeah, I can't really speak that any of these guys are amazing. That's one thing that, like, I think that's one thing that did did there was like I'm not going to really be friends with these guys. Um, these guys, a lot of them have been like coddled, mm-hmm. uh, have been superstars their whole careers. Have have right. only only one. One of the things that that made Alex Gordon such a good interview and my favorite interviews, um, my favorite interviews are people who failed. Sure. Uh, and once you failed, you get a perspective on a, what do I have to do to get back in this game? What do I have to do? I'll listen to the nerds. You know, if the nerds, like, I want to get back in this game. So if, if the nerds have something to say to me, um, you know, I think yonder Alonzo, one of the reasons he opened up to me, uh, and asked me what I thought he should do, uh, strategically, uh, in baseball was because he was struggling, yep. you know? And he's like, I may not get another contract. Yo, you're the nerd. Tell me what I should do. And I was like, aim over the second baseman don't try to aim at the second baseman <laughs> <laughs> it's like literally all i said we can do that's, that's yeah. what I got. <laughs> so, oh man anyway, I mean, it, was a, I, it was a big moment uh, that was the low point so between brandon and then brandon moss was like it was a royal too so it's like i i've had subsequent interviews with brandon Moss, who's like one of my favorite people in baseball uh, mm-hmm. where we're just hamming it up next to Eric Hosmer um, and uh, having a really good time. And Eric Hosmer's like, who's that dude? And I'm like, yeah, who is that dude? Oh, man. <laughs> I, so, I mean, I feel like, I mean, especially our generation, like, you know, I started doing this in 2014. I'm very, very fresh at this. And, you know, we are a little spoiled in the sense of accessibility. Uh, you know, guys are on Twitter and I can just DM them and, you know, I hopefully, you know, one out of a hundred, whatever will respond. So yeah, cool. I would like to. And then all of a sudden I can record a podcast with them or something like that. In many ways I can weed out the, uh, those experiences that you just described, like going into the clubhouse cause they would have never responded to me. I would never have had that reaction in the first place, you know? Well, I have to say there's also uh, a transformation going on in baseball that mm-hmm. you, um, are lucky to be at the forefront of. Um, where it's, um, you know, tech and data, the young guys speak that language, yes. you know, they, they understand it. And it's a little bit like now that's the, that's what you have to speak to, 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 to win, you know, right. like I just did an interview with Bryce Jarvis, who was like a, I think like a 14th picker overall or something. And mm-hmm. the whole interview is like spin efficiency, spin mirroring, peel the banana, you know, just like all this stuff about grips and what he was doing and rap Soto and all this stuff. And, um, and I was like, yeah, man, the kids, this is yeah. the language they speak. So, um, I've been lucky also to be, you know, uh, like the old man 
of the space, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I remember Andrew Haney, Andrew Haney, like once, you know, sort of at the end of the interview being like, yo, 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 tell me about spin rate, man. What's spin rate? <laughs> they're not going to tell me around here. Oh my not God. Not Mike that's, Sosha's that's clubhouse. Ridiculous. <laughs> you know, that, that idea that like they need to go to to us from the outside that has less information to get the things that they need and not actually the MLB ball club to me that that whole concept is just mind blowing to me that actually yeah, players are in that situation that'll recede there's also some distrust um, between the players and the uh, and the front office because the front office cuts them and and drops them and trades right. them right. Um, and so there's a, there are players who want to own their own data um Hmm. and uh and so like um you know they sometimes it will will seek out outside opinions on the data front you know just to be like i need to make sure i'm getting the best information for myself but then on top of that um, i think there's i think more and more they just speak your language and they're willing to speak with you because they might learn something um Hmm. and they're just uh used to to speaking in this way and talking about these things Man, it's it's so lucky. Yeah, like talking to Clark Schmidt, it was I had no idea. It was just forty five minutes of all of that. And I was like, this is the best. Oh my god. Yeah. It's incredible. Isn't it fun? It's so much fun oh. when when you when you speak the same language. And you know, yeah, I had to do I had to, you know, I had to take some lumps to get there, but um and and often it's like a little bit more the pitchers. I think the pitchers they can dictate the action right. They mm-hmm. they can spend uh four days, especially starters, they can spend four days honing a pitch or the off season honing a new pitch or whatever they can um they can be more cerebral right, right. Uh, there's some part of the hitter interaction that's just like i can think about things but when i get in the box i, I don't want to think anymore right, it's just right. react you know um, and so there's maybe less to talk about your craft when you're like just i try to see the ball and hit the ball i remember yeah. being santiago one of my favorite players i see the ball i hit it hard and you're like, <laughs> yeah yeah that's hitting um <laughs> All right, so this is happy hour. So a couple quick beer tr- uh, questions for you. Um, what beer would you suggest for someone who does not like beer? Uh, I think the hazies are, are, are really great. Just try mm-hmm. a New England IPA, a hazy IPA. Um, one of the things that's cool about it is a lot of people say they don't like IPAs because they're bitter. But uh, the nice thing about this new uh, style of beer, the hazy IPA, is it's not bitter. Um, and so what you'll get is something that's kind of, when it's at its best, sort of pillowy, uh, I, I'm going to say creamy, but not creamy in a gross way. Not like, not like, uh, but there is actually, if you like orange Julius's, there's a beer called Julius that's kind of modeled after an orange Julius. There you go. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's not bitter, you know, that's, it's, it's all through hops and stuff, but right. it, it's pretty cool. So I would say hazy IPAs are a good one. Otherwise, um, you know, uh, uh, Pilsner uh, is like just the cleanest, mm-hmm. just the cleanest, most beautiful, crisp. Just you know, that's that's. I'm German, so like the Pilsner is just the that's beer with a capital B. You know, that's the <laughs> that's like what I think of when I think of just be beer. You know, so. yeah. I mean, Pilsners. I would say I leaned on a lot. I definitely more. I, I'm not a hoppy guy. It's just not for me. So I'm looking for from beer. Um, yeah, so out of like is, the, if, this is a beer that you can get, and yeah. that might transition you to hazy IPAs. I just want to put one actual sure, name yeah. out there: Pinkus Organic Pilsner. Pinkus, P-I-N-K-U-S. It's German, however, it's unfiltered and organic, and so it actually is a little bit hazy, 
Um, and it gets you, uh, it kind of, it is a Pilsner still, and it tastes like a Pilsner, but it gets you a little bit more of that uh, body that is more like a, a hazy. So it's just, so the hazy uh, that was one of my drug. crossover beers. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> so as, as, as far as like the, the, the bad beers, right? We're talking like you're picking up a 24 pack of some random thing for some party, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I know this is really kind of almost insulting that I'm asking you about like Coors Light and Bud Light and all that no, kind of stuff. It's Coors Light. What is the best one of that lot? I mean, I like Coors Banquet. Uh, okay. Coors Banquet is probably my real answer, but Coors, Coors, Coors Banquet is actually not as easy to find. Hmm. Um, and so uh, Coors Light is is my uh, water beer. Uh, my uh, Flippy Cup beer. Uh, yeah, my you boat race beer. <laughs> <laughs> Your uh, your softball beer, my softball beer. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so, what kind of beer would Jose Orchidi be? And they ask also, what will it be flavored with tears by season's end? <laughs> um, I just, you know, it's funny. Orchidi to me is just funny because when I look at his pitch movements, it's mm-hmm. a little bit like that. Um, was that? Was that? Just the people use where that's like the numbers, the matrix. No, it's it's uh, it's the guy the numbers. It, it, yeah, yeah, the numbers are going down, and he's just like looking at the numbers. Uh, yes, I say it that way because the the guy who made it said it that way. No, it's my, wrong. No, it's a gift. No, no, but the guy who made it says just no, dude, dude. My mother called me Eno. If you called me Eno, I would be upset. But it's not. I'm not going to give you a gift for your birthday. <laughs> I don't care. The owner, <laughs> the, the guy who made it, gets to decide. Oh no! This is this is easily the biggest disagreement you and I will ever have. <laughs> yes, he's right. Asher is right. It's the hangover one. It's the hangover one with the numbers. I don't know, you know that one, about? but okay. Anyway, I believe. Uh, what, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm on the wrong side of history. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but like far be it for me to mispronounce something right <laughs> I uh, need to, so. <laughs> so um when i look at urquidy's pitches mm-hmm. i it's i see perfection when i look at the numbers on the movements i'm just like what how did this was made in a lab like wow he's got 10 inches of ride on a 94 mile an hour fastball and then he's got a a, a, a changeup that has like seven inches of dive off of that, you know, and three inches of fade, and that's his, that's his pitch, right? Oh yeah. And then he somehow he somehow made you know guys who are changeup first always have trouble with breaking balls. So like you know Luis Castillo, you know yep. Jake Odorizzi, even he came up with the slider, but now he can't do a slider because he does the split finger. Um, the but somehow Urquidy has a really good curveball that he doesn't even use that much, but it's, it's a good one. And then the slider's good too. So it's like, I'm just like, man, it's a four pitch guy who has command. Like, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't strike out guys last year, but he still had a good ERA and stuff. So like if he fails, I'll just have to question my whole process, which has (laughs) obviously happened before and will happen again. But, but no, I I think it's a really, really interesting process. And it, 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 uh, I, I did want to talk a little bit more about that. And specifically about Command Plus and like kind of what goes into that for those that, you know, you, you see Command, and it's like, okay, cool. But there is actually something behind that um, that might help 
you know, people understand how your rankings are created. Uh, but I mean, I think it's an incredibly useful ranking that you have. And I certainly, you know, I didn't look at them until today because uh, I did my ranks on Tuesday. I don't want to be influenced as much as I can right. from others. Uh, and yes, yeah, Senior Key, I think it was at like 29 or so uh, on yours. Um, was fascinating, and I kind of wanted, yeah, you to get the opportunity to talk about Command Plus a little bit, and, and you know what. There's no that. other pitcher like beyond just the the movement numbers. There's no other pitcher that has as high a command number or a stuff number. And stuff, I worked with wow. Ethan Moore, who now, uh, you know, R.I.P. He's working for the Twins. We'll never hear from him again. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, he he created the stuff number. And um, he has like a I don't I, it's not in front of me, but it's like a one fifteen stuff. And then Command Plus is done by Stats Perform, and they have actual people watching games. Uh, they have stringers, and what they do is they use the scouting report for uh, the hitter, the scouting report for the pitcher, the catcher's sign, the catcher's target. You can't just use the catcher's target because obviously catchers do different oh, things. Right. They'll deke people out. They do all sorts right. of stuff. Some catchers have like a you know rest relaxation that's not even a target. It's just where they're putting their glove before they they stick it. You know. Um, so they, they use all of those things and, and they're like, between all these things, we can say that cutter was supposed to go here and he missed by, you know, five inches or whatever. Oh, and, uh, I think that's useful because guys throw curveballs in the dirt on purpose. Yep. You know, guys, guys throw, uh, Oh, two sliders, you know, four or five inches off the plate on purpose. So, yep. uh, you, you will capture guys that have like Tyler Molly, I think. Talamal is really interesting because he had he didn't have an out pitch, right? But he had high command numbers, and he had high walk numbers. And you're like, well, how could he have good command? Well, he's nibbling because he didn't have an out pitch. But now he has. I know, I know. I'm kind of excited slider, too. The new cutter slider thing, and he ended up in my top 42 because I'm like, dude, he has great command. Now he has great stuff with that good that new slider. So I'm into it. And so nobody has the same heights of command and stuff as jose urquidy hmm. wow. like i had to i had to put it in my pants because <laughs> because nobody has that high like i should put them in the top 20 or something yeah but the, well, you, I still mean, kind of, you still look at projections you still look at adp you right. cut, you try to rein it in a little bit i mean the main the main thing i think that is suppressing uh urquidy a bit just because volume this year you can't expect him to make a massive jump after I think it was only 30 innings actually pitched because of COVID last year, like he actually had it at the beginning of the year. I'm also not yeah. like he's not like a rookie. He's not like a 19 year old. I mean, he had sure. like 150 innings the year before, so mm-hmm. I think he can get to 150 again. Oh yeah, yeah, 150 uh, certainly. Yeah. But I also think that like uh, 180 is new 200, sure. so 150 is new 180. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that we're all going to be uh, looking for innings. So one thing that was really interesting was that um, I found myself throwing some high command guys that have uh, roles mm-hmm. into my top 75 near the back end where I might not have before because I think they'll have innings. So guys like right. JT Brubaker and Alec Mills. Love Brubaker uh, and Mills. You know, I love this. This is great. They're, they're high Sorry. command guys. They're not amazing stuff, guys. But Alzale has an option. The, the Pirates need Brubaker. So I think that they'll be good streamer innings types. I don't think either of them has the upside where they're going to really, te- you know, baby gloves these guys, you know? Right. Um, and so they don't really have, like, command guys actually 
Uh, Billy Bean said this. Jeff Zimmerman did some research. Command guys have better health outcomes. Interesting. So, uh, you know, I, I put some command guys in there to be like, you know, at the back end of my rotation, I may want uh, uh, just a command guy who's going to give me innings who I can like put in like two games in Pittsburgh. Rubaker oh, yeah. might be a high end bench piece on those day on those weeks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think Mills actually starts the season going against uh, the Pirates twice in a row. Uh, which is like that's great. Uh, yeah, that would be great too. Yeah. Oh crap! You've looked at the schedule that closely. Oh. <laughs> um, Damn you! <laughs> I did a whole article on. It. I wrote like. I know. I know. I, I know. Way you, too long on this. It's, oh, I, I cribbed off of in like I cribbed off of one of your late season ones, right? Yeah. I cribbed off oh, of one of your late season ones where you yeah, had. I gotta you figure out a way to get exhaustedly out of this year. I don't know. at that thing. I was like, well. Nick did the work. I'm gonna do some little secondary work on top of it. Well, I super appreciate you for for like mentioning that. Uh, but um, but I mean, the problem with that stuff too is like I do that, and like five days later, it's all just different now. And it's oh, like, he oh skipped it. Oh, he's gonna they're gonna delay him, and then now he now he's in Colorado. Thanks. <laughs> um, so 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 going back to those lists, though, so that you made that, um, is there someone you constantly see on it? that you feel like is like right there but just hasn't quite gone there yet uh pitcher yes always yeah yeah right pitcher list where are we <laughs> um, go. i mean like molly was getting there oh you know who it is for me uh right now might be griffin canning oh yeah i think oh. <laughs> i have a story about that one uh i i got blasted at uh first pitch arizona uh, and was up to like 3 a.m. with, uh, you know, you know the poker game that goes on after and all this right. stuff. And then I look on the schedule as I'm falling asleep, and I'm like, there's an 8 a.m. rollout where we're all supposed to pick a sleeper. Right, right. So, or like 10 a.m., even 10 a.m. at that point, I was like, ah! <laughs> I roll out, I'm like, bloodshot, and like, hair's all everywhere, and... Was it you? I think I like I I talked to a couple people. Was like, who are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You, we talked to each other. I was thinking and between like, Mitch Keller and Griffin yeah. Canning. So you're like, okay, you're like, all right, I got Canning. Oh, I, I got, got Canning. <laughs> so then, so then they're like, uh, Eno Saris, and I said, more, I'm like, Griffin Canning. <laughs> and I think somebody, somebody in the audience goes, holy crap, you drank a lot. Of that. <laughs> 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 like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and uh, yeah so griffin canning is on his third year third year of uh of being a sleeper uh i mean I, i'm worried that dylan cease uh we'll get into that territory but so wait so how high do you have dylan cease this year i didn't i didn't i, I tanked him because of the bad command numbers but right, okay. uh he's, he's creeping back up again because he's uh, cleaned up his mechanics and oh right i'm we don't know like guys can just do that in a heartbeat, but I mean, we hear that that's like the best shape of your life kind of thing. Too. Yeah, it's definitely the best shape of your life. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, yeah, I think actually, with him, it's just so tantalizing because you're like, dude throws 98. Mm-hmm. He has a wicked curveball. He has a pretty good change. Like it really could come together fast. Right. You know, I don't want to just, I don't think it'll happen, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's so actually someone on our Discord mentioned, uh, I, oh, I really wish I can remember the staffer that said it, but they said, is. He went to driveline the next best shape of his life. Yeah. And it's kind of feeling like that. I mean, Alex Cobb, I think, just mentioned that he did it. I, I was saying something on Taiwan Walker today, and someone quote tweeted me and was like, and he went to driveline. He was like, <laughs> oh, well, he went to driveline. 
Yeah, there's a there's a couple uh, big name stars that you know there might be a piece coming out of that. He went to driveline, um, and uh, uh, I do kind of try to poke around sometimes, but uh, I think he went to driveline at this point. Not there are other places you can go. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you know there are other places that do the same sort of deck and data stuff. You know, so you right. could have gone somewhere else. It could be just as good. Also, what we were saying is it's pretty much the cost of entry these days. Yeah, is, yeah, that's a good you know, point. Looking, doing the Edertronic, like I don't think Jake, maybe Jake Odorizzi went to Driveline, but he did those, you know, Edertronic of all of his grips, you know, mm-hmm. recently. And it's like he, he could have done that anywhere and it's useful and it's good, but it doesn't mean that those breaking balls are any good. Right. Just um, because he did an Edertronic. <laughs> yeah, well, mean, of course. Like, now they're good. He's I didn't want to try and get better, doesn't mean he's going to be better. Right. Um, Zach Hayes, by the way, mentioned that inside Discord, deserves all the credit for he went to Driveline. Which, yes, does sound like he went to Jared's, which I think is pretty hilarious. Uh, but, I mean, I will say, last year, I think there were two guys on my on you know in my mind that was thinking, he went to driveline, maybe we'll see results. And they uh-huh. were Yusei Kikuchi and Kershaw, who both did see results. Velocity. Yeah, well, and also, uh, I mean, the new cutter of Kikuchi That's right. does make me a little interested for this year, obviously, like I'm the schedule that. and stuff. I think I'm interested in as a second iteration. So one thing that I think uh, that I can't prove, uh, which is always a very interesting uh, pl- space, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to be in. But um, I think that the Indians and the Mariners basically draft um, command guys or acquire command guys and then tell them to throw harder. And so what happens is, your command goes down because right. you're throwing close to your max. You can't you can't command it as well. However, you have great innate command. So like Shane Bieber, think about Shane Bieber. Dude was throwing 89. He was throwing 88, you know, but he had great command. So then they were like, hey, try throwing 94. <laughs> and now okay. he throws 94 and uh, his command is not like his command plus number is not amazing. He does, you know, he does give up meatballs. Like he does give up, like <laughs> ask Alex Chamberlain yeah. <laughs> about, about, uh, about his, uh, about him in the zone and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, Bieber does not have the most amazing command, but since he had that great, you know, body of work before, he had that great command to start with, um, you know, ask. So what happened with Kikuchi is he had the great command. He threw harder. He lost the command. And so I'm wondering if maybe in this next year, he can throw 93 and have a slightly better command. There's a, there's another guy like that that we actually, I remember when I saw you in Florida last year, we were both equally excited about. Um, maybe you you a little bit more so, but that was John Means, who saw, we saw that velocity. And he started throwing hard. And then the command, he brought down the velocity by the end and had better command by the end, still higher than there's he was in 2019. There's some relationship. Yeah, um, but I like seeing Means coming back, uh, throwing the slider, and yes. uh, you know, slider was his, his was his first pitch. So you know, Marco Estrada never had a good slider. So if John Means becomes like a lefty Marco Estrada with a good slider and throwing ninety three instead of eighty nine, I have to think that he'll be he'll be useful. Oh, I can't wait for John Means. I think that's gonna be amazing. All right, I was. I, gonna I had a good moment joke. interviewing John Means too, where uh, I was like, "Listen, your changeup, I." when I see it, I think of one person. However, this person was not the most amazing pitcher. And so I don't want to say this and have you be offended. And, and he was like, basically like, okay, on the count of three, we're going to say the name. <laughs> He's like, I think I know who you're talking about <laughs> on the count of three. We'll say the name. He's like one, two, three. And we go, Marco Estrada. <laughs> That's so awesome. 
<laughs> so I was like, okay, good. We can be friends. I was like, do we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's so great. You have like the, you know, this picture seeing exactly what you're seeing in this Ralph. Uh, yeah. He said even a, even a coach said something about that, but that's great. Um, and uh, I do want to mention really quickly, Alexander Chase had a funny idea to do Eno trivia. That is Brian Peter, George St. John, Le Baptiste's uh, Eno, and ask what his most recent album is. Um, we're not going to do that. Uh, well, please don't. I, I like old <laughs> Eno. It's the only uh, other Eno. Like, it, 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 I named, no, I'm named after him. Are you really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, then that makes a lot more him. sense. Uh, okay. But if you think about it, I was born in 1979. So I'm named after good Brian Eno. Uh, <laughs> I have nothing to do with all this. Like ambient music, man. Like it's music to sleep to, if you ask me. Sure. There you go. And, and very last question I have for you. Who are you most excited for for 2021? I mean, other than Urquidy. And Means and Molly, um, yes. Framber, I, mean, Framber. I see Julio Urias is at 21. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. I had to I had to bump him down a little bit in the update that's coming up because uh, uh, because they have like twenty five pitchers. Yep. Yeah, Dodgeritis. Um, you know what? Uh, it's a duo, um, and it may be surprising, but um, Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka um, they they have decent numbers. Ian Anderson has this like low spin curveball that's been panned forever, but it seems to be working. Uh, they're, they supposedly have great command. When I watch them, I think they have great command. Their command plus numbers aren't great. Um, but they were in some small, small ass samples. And, um, so I'm, I'm kind of interested, you know, actually the whole Braves rotation, because the whole Braves rotation is projected to regress. They're projected to not be as good. And that's why you see projections that say the Braves will be third or fourth in the division or whatever ridiculous stuff. And so, but I also know that Alex fast, not Alex fast. Mike fast. I love that's your first reaction though. Oh my oh, God. Yeah, Alex, that's going to make his uh, day. <laughs> Mike fast. Uh, uh, Mike fast is uh, one of the first pitch FX public analysis gurus that went to the Astros and then went to the Dodgers. And so I wouldn't be surprised if like, I'm like a hundred percent. Mike fast knows about um, seam shifted wake. Um, he knows about spin mirroring. He knows like he's getting the most like Max Freed is a spin seems just a wake guy. So like, like maybe these guys are just going to be projections and all three of them have reasons to be like, well, Max Freed, bad command in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Mike Soroka, where are the strikeouts, you know, and Ian Anderson, low spin, bad curveball. And I would love to see all three shove and, and sort of uncover why. I, so. I definitely think they can. And I think it also links to your, uh, your discussion about the Cubs with, uh, with a DVR. Um, about how they're focusing a lot more on the command guys, low velocity as well. So. Right. I don't think none of those guys are blowing you away with velocity. There are other rotations right. with which way more velocity. The Yankees, um, it'd be interesting if the Yankees got left behind. The Yankees mm-hmm. seem to be developing guys who throw super hard uh, and have a really good breaking ball. Um, and there are other teams making different kinds of bets. So uh, if the Cubs have a good rotation this year, um, it might shift be- things. It'd be kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I, they'll I, average I eighty-nine on the fastball. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh man, I could go for a much, much longer with you, you know, but we're past our time. That's right. Um, I just, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this. Uh, it's good to see you too. You know, yeah. we miss you a lot, and yeah. uh, I cannot wait to hanging out with you and, and grabbing a beer soon. Um, as I embarrass myself once again uh, with a player. 
<laughs> I always embarrass myself. It's fine. I'm, I was born with a foot in my mouth. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to can't wait to see you again in person and uh, get back to normal and get in the clubhouse. I'm debating what to do with Arizona, and I I have no idea because I, I just shouted someone from six feet away in the backfields, and I I just don't know if that's going to be the same. I can't can't hug them. Right? Yeah, you can't hug them. I don't know if that's positive or not. We'll <laughs> right. But uh, you know, really, thank you so much for being a part of this, and uh, yeah, this was great.